do. Wicked! Delicious! Mega. I have always liked Kawabunga. Huh? Maybe you can hum the theme song Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong While the memory's not too strong There's a piece of you from a time long gone So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain question we ask is still the same Is it a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? And we're back. Thank you for joining us in uh, part five of this very special mini-series. Uh, if you didn't listen to the previous four, I recommend that you go back and listen to those. Gavin, what's this podcast? Uh, this podcast is called it's, Is This Still Good? It's a podcast about removing nostalgia goggles and revisiting childhood treasures. Uh, this is part five, I guess, then? of um, Gavin, I just said that. Oh, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend. Uh, I'm not trying to waste people's time here and go off on a tangent. I don't mean to offend. With us today, we've got Auric. How are you doing? Hello, guys. So, so honored to be here on this wonderful podcast. Well, thanks for being here. Um, what is this part five of again, Sige? It's just, it's just a part five about, about general 90s stuff. What'd you bring for us today, Auric? So today, this is the thing that I am, like, as far as, like, nostalgic things from my childhood that are mean something to me, this is the biggest Yes, absolutely the biggest. So wow. we're talking turtles today. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in fact. <laughs> and I have memories of turtles back to like when I was like five, four, maybe. Especially like walking by uh, the movie theater with my dad and uh, pointing at the Ninja Turtles movie poster and saying, oh my gosh, dad, can we see this movie? And then my dad not being okay with us going to see it because it looked too scary. <laughs> um, but then like having all the Ninja Turtles, not all the Ninja Turtle toys, but having a couple Ninja Turtle toys and getting to pick out like, you know, Leonardo or, you know, whatever random one that we could find, you know, um, and, uh, and just being obsessed with it. And then when I did get to see the movie, when it came out on VHS um, and like my, my cousins made me a copy of it somehow. And I just watched it over and over and over again. And then when I, when they gave it to me at their house, I watched it five times and it was like this, I was so obsessed with that movie and I can't even tell you how many times I saw it, but well, yes, definitely my favorite movie when I was a kid. <laughs> let's back up a second. Where is, where is all of this story taking place? Uh, so I grew up in Berkeley. Um, so yeah, this was like the United Artists movie theater in downtown Berkeley that we walked by, um, where we saw the poster and Toys R Us in, in Amoryville was where we would get our toys. So that was, that's where it took place. And so you weren't, you weren't allowed to watch the show because the movie, because it was potentially too frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Like the movie poster, <laughs> it looks very, uh, dark you know with these like kind of scary live action version of the turtles coming out of the uh you know the uh whatever the the sewer i think that's what my dad's <laughs> you know, argument was okay. um I i've heard then, similar from my parents does it come out during the cold war like i get all this it's it's not like a, the cartoon right which is like it's like a silly cartoon like that's fine you and know were, but were you yeah. already watching the the cartoon 
You know, I can't, I can't honestly tell you if I, what came first, if I watched the movies first or the cartoon first. NDA. But I think before everything, maybe the toys were first. Honestly, maybe, or maybe it was a cartoon. I'm not sure. Because I did watch uh, cartoons when I was young. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it was probably all kind of around the same time, to be honest. I, I definitely have some memories from, like, my childhood where somehow, like, just a coloring book or a <laughs> um, an action figure would make its way into my hands. But my, my parents were also pretty strict on, like, what TV shows I was able to watch. So I remember, like, I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers growing up because it was too violent. Oh, yeah. I had this Bucky O'Hare coloring book that I fucking loved. And I what is that? I had never heard of or seen that show uh, until, like, I looked it up way later in life just because of that pang of, like, memory coming back. So I, I, I completely get the disparate influences and, like, not, like, it kind of turning into a blend. Right. Especially when you couldn't go watch things on, like, DVR or uh, on demand. <laughs> right. And I just, like, trying to find as many... Tr- like, I remember, like, later, like, after I was obsessed with it, trying to find as many of the cartoon episodes as I could. And then my grandpa found some for me, and we I watched some at my grandpa's house, you know. But, uh, but yeah, like, not having seen, like, all the episodes of the cartoon show, because, you know, you didn't really have access to the, to it at that time. It was, like... You know, you turn on the TV and whatever you got is what you got, you know. That show is also, the continuity in that show is nuts. (laughs) Going back to rewatch it. But we're we're focused on the movies, I guess, on on this episode. Because I have no idea what this show is. (laughs) Bucky O'Hare. This is the first time I've heard these words in my entire life. Maybe the last. We'll see. If if anyone listening to this podcast is a fan of Bucky O'Hare, write directly to Sage. Uh, On Instagram. Still good pod at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I want to throw in is I actually did have the original graphic novel for Ninja oh, Turtles as well, um, but not like the original printing. I must have gotten it when I was probably a little bit older, like 10 or so. I think my uh, cousins, I think they gave it to me. I'm pretty sure that's where I got it. And it was like the whole original story, basically the story of the first movie in the original comic right. books. Yeah, I, I've only I don't think I've read the whole things, but I've like glanced through the art just because it's it was really fascinating to me to yeah. see how different like the original like the original version of it was from like what the cartoon was. Right, right. Because it it started um it's like Eastman and Laird I think. Right, are yeah, the yeah. names, and it started as like a Frank Miller parody that was still very bleak and like dark and violent. Right. <laughs> Right, and it's literally a Daredevil spinoff. That's how Frank Miller it is. Yeah, which is really cool, and uh, it it is fascinating. I remember watching. Um, I don't know if you guys watched um, the toys that made us. They did a version oh, yeah. on the a- absolutely the Teenage Mutant Turtles toys. <laughs> yeah, no, but it sounds like I really should have for research. <laughs> well, they're also just great episodes. These things, yeah. and the Turtles one is is especially good. It's a really fun show, and watching like the creators... I just don't like that they ripped off our podcast, so... <laughs> right. Much the same way that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripped off Street Sharks. <laughs> well, right. I think Turtles was first before Street Sharks, right? Well, Thank either way, I'm our so podcast I'm so glad you could explain came... my joke to Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> before the Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Did you have any of the Sorry, toys Gavin, you were saying? Up, <laughs> yeah, um, Gavin was saying something important, and we just interrupted him. With, with I think nonsense. he was. He was saying about something about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I. Uh, oh, I, I don't oh yeah, the show. The All show, I wanted to say show. is, it's well, no, I was saying it's a, it's a joy to watch the um, until that like docu series came out. I hadn't really seen interviews with Eastman and Laird, and like oh, seen their right. relationship on screen, which is fascinating because I guess they had a huge falling out, and a yeah, lot of yeah. it seemed to be about the rights marketing and adaptations of their original story right who got which turtle <laughs> well <laughs> and like originally i know we're going to get into it but like sage you had some some concerns about like the personality of the turtles like originally they all wore the same like they're it's a black and white comic there's no color yeah. in the original like version of this story they don't even have masks until the tv show right no, they had. I think they had masks. It's just yeah. imagine trying to tell them apart they when the masks are all, yeah, the, same all the same color. Mask. Right, <laughs> that makes sense. Back to childhood, really quick. Like I too have like kind of just turtles were kind of in the essence. It's kind of like just different parts of it hit my childhood at different times. I can't remember which came first. I probably was the toys as well. I think I had like maybe a Leonardo toy. Blue is my favorite color. And because I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of these TV shows when I was growing up, I just got whichever action figure was blue. So, like, I had oh. the Billy Power Rangers <laughs> toy. I had the Leonardo like That's action figure funny. of the Team NT, um, et cetera. But, yeah. Uh, but I remember, like, loving these movies growing up, too, and the different parts of the TV show I was able to... I mean, again, that's a, probably a different episode, but... It, I mean, we we got to talk about the show a little bit just in context. Sure. Like, this is a podcast <laughs> right. about the I'm original movies. But, yeah, no, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the show, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about uh, later iterations in movies as well. Yeah, yeah. So, Sage, did you, did you grow up on these as well, or? So, I'm kind of in the same boat where, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were just omnipresent and all my friends liked them. And I'm not even sure if all my friends had even seen the show. It's just one of those things, kind of like how I knew most of the things about Star Wars before I'd ever actually seen Star Wars. That's just how childhood works. Um, and I was taking it for granted until recently just how omnipresent this was because it never seemed ridiculous to me. Like there were just <laughs> always Ninja Turtles. Right. Alric, I don't think you or probably most people know this, but this podcast basically exists because one day Gavin and I were sitting around talking and he was telling me about Street Sharks, a show I'd never heard of. And Street Sharks is <laughs> on the nose, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff. Like, there is no doubt or question about it, about some sharks that, well, I mean, they're, they're brothers. They're some still teens. brothers. Now they're sharks, <laughs> teen sharks, and they could, uh, they could go through concrete. They could just burrow <laughs> through streets. They're street sharks. And I just thought that was the dumbest fucking thing I'd ever heard. I find it awesome. But turtles in ooze is fine. I just accept <laughs> right. that and move on. There's a ninja. I forget how weird the lore gets and that sometimes there's aliens and they're like, well, this is this is too out there for this grounded show about turtles. And yet I do remember <laughs> like fast forwarding a little bit, like when the Michael Bay produced versions were getting announced, I think they talked about ditching the original like ooze version of the turtles, like the mutagen turning them into right. humanoid turtles. And, like, that was enough for me to be like, the fuck is that? Out. 
No yeah, way. They, they they ditched it. They just kind of replaced it with like this other alien sort of art like thing. It's like, oh, it's like this alien thing that we inserted into them. So they're not really aliens. They're turtles, but they have this alien juice in them. Or they something. got some alien goo. Yeah. The secret. Yeah. Goo. yeah. See, that sounds terrible. Like, who, yeah, it does. But like, here? isn't it isn't it weird that we still feel some ownership over this, even though like I don't care. <laughs> it's just like you can't do that to the turtles. And then someone would ask me, like, which turtle's the one with the orange one? And I'd be like, uh... Oh, come on. I'm sorry. Well, they, I don't have the well, theme song memorized. I did as a kid, though. I could tell you all this stuff. I could tell I you was in which... A band and now even, I've watched like, six movies, and I don't know if I could. You were in a band? I was in a band in college, and, like, one of the songs we still played was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. Like, oh, regularly great. in college. Very popular. It's a great song. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was in a bluegrass band, and we covered the Mortal Kombat theme song. Ooh, uh, amazing. It was great. Yeah. It's also a good I choice. Used I used bluegrass I want band you, loosely. But. You, you guys have to send me copies of both these songs um, so I can listen to them. Unfortunately, I, never recorded. I would love but. both of those. <laughs> There's a live recording at the Alaska State Fair at some points of me doing oh, that. Nice. I'll have to find it. It's on an acoustic baby Taylor. <laughs> if someone's playing violin, it's great. Oh, man. Is, um, and someone just says test your bite. That's his whole job. <laughs> so is, should we should we go in order here, guys, and talk like because because I could just jump off the Michael Bay stuff right now, or we could go and talk about like the original movie. I don't oh, know. I say I say it's we your talk show. About the originals. Whatever I say we talk about the originals, but we'll, we'll, you know we, this can be a little free form. We can play jazz. Um, okay. I do have okay. one question actually before we jump into it, which Ulrich, you may be able to answer. Um, there is. Especially like with the the first movie, as you said, it is pulling from the comics a lot, but it also pulls aspects of the show, like the color of the bandanas was originated in the in the TV show, and we'd just gotten into their origin story. That is in the comic, right? I'm I'm trying to remember. What the the color of the bandanas or no the the mutagen like the ooze. Oh yeah, no, the ooze is in the original comic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, the ooze is, yeah, that... is like total original canon for sure. And that is specifically Master Shredder uh, was the pet rat. Of... Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that... all that greatness is from the comic book. Yeah, cool. That because that that is yeah, it's it's I such a some of that good origin great. story where you know he's lost his love. He runs away to America to try and like leave leave a happy life. There's such a like tragic story at the center of this ridiculous uh yeah. mutant turtles <laughs> right who practice martial arts yeah there's some real storytelling but it's like a story about betrayal and like murder at the center of this children's property <laughs> yeah it, absolutely which is funny because like I, like watching that the toys that made us episode kind of educated me a lot on the beginnings of this whole thing that it was like the comic book then being turned into a cartoon first, then the toys, or was it the toys, then the cartoon? Yeah, that I mean, they've got like that one, um, like their agent basically, who's like bluffed his way into getting the rights <laughs> to everything, um, and just Dope. went out in this crusade to sell it to the masses, wanted everything, and it, it right. he, like credit where credit's due, dude, dude made it happen. I think it was kind of like the toys and the cartoon were kind of born sort of together. And like, the, that's like where the colors came from. And cause like they needed to sell, yeah. you know, individual 
action figures. Like totally. you couldn't just sell the same action figure. And that was also was black very... and white toys. <laughs> it was also very hip at the time though too because like this is this movie was made in i think 89 90 so you know he-man and gi joe both came before as cartoon toy lines right right and he-man had been adapted into a movie so had uh howard the duck <laughs> right um, right both failed pretty heavily <laughs> yeah and i think also superman 4 had just happened which also ah. crashed and burned Right, right. But also at the time this movie was being made, uh, the first Batman movie, uh, the first Tim Burton Batman right. movie came right. out. 89, yeah. does share a lot in common in terms of like this slightly darker tone. Because like, again, the Tim Burton oh, movie yeah. like doesn't feel dark now comparatively to like, you know, what came after. But at the time it was following the Adam West version of Batman. yeah. It's like very yeah. gritty in comparison to that. And I mean, it's gritty and dark in comparison to, you know, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, of course. But, you know, this is a whole nother conversation. To True. Totally, 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 totally. Well, I, I'm just I'm just trying to paint. I'm trying to paint the world that these movies came right, out in. Right. Um, I would just, I would agree that the, the Turtles, the first Turtles movie and the Tim Burton Batman movie, the first one definitely share like a feeling and a tone style for sure. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into it, but, like, I mean, because uh, the, the second movie shares a lot more with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, there's there's some total shifts in each movie. It's oh, it's exciting. Absolutely. I'd love to, to go with the, the first challenge. I want to put a few seconds on the clock and go around and have each person summarize uh, one of the movies. Uh, just in case this is a surprise, Ulrich, I'll give you a couple more seconds while I'm talking to think about things, because I want you to sum up what the hell happens in the first movie. Stall. Stall. Let me, okay, let now me go. know when you're ready. Low stakes. Okay, 30 ready. seconds on the clock starts now. So uh, the Foot Clan is terrorizing New York. Uh, it is like the you know crime wave of all crime waves. And uh, these turtles are, uh, or unknown, like protectors of New York are like, you know, combating them. And then we immediately get introduced to the turtles right from the go get go. So we kind of know more than the, the world does, you know, as the story progresses. And then April O'Neil starts, discovers who these turtles are, becomes their friend. And then it's basically a war between the turtles and the foot clan trying to, you know, put this, this foot business to rest so they can save New York city from this terrible crime wave. Um, so that in a nutshell is probably like the synopsis of the first movie. All right, I'll give yeah. that description an A plus, but then I have to take off a letter grade for every second over thirty that it was. Oh uh, no! So that's a we that's about also, a that's about uh, a Q. Oh no! How 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 many seconds was that? Is <laughs> that like a minute thirty? Uh, no, it was like fifty. Oh okay, okay, twenty so, seconds over. All right. I'll, we I'll, also you know, okay. didn't get any mention of uh, the evil shredder. Yeah, I know. we didn't. We got no Damn. shredder. We got we got no splinter. <laughs> We got right. no Casey Jones. Right, right. I missed the. I, I was. It was a very basic synopsis. Very it was basic. a good try. It was a good try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good job, Alric. You're valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so wait. So one of you guys is gonna do the second one now? <sighs> that's even. That's so much harder. Like I feel like. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the is such a blur. <laughs> even yeah, when Gavin, you have to do it because I couldn't. I couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in the second. Movie. Oh no, guys, come on! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will. I'll be able to pick things. I'll, I'll, it's just I'll try like it. I'll right try, after I watched it, I couldn't. So Gavin, All right. please help. Thirty seconds starting now. <laughs> after defeating Shredder in the first movie, guess what? He's back, and this time he's uh, kidnapped an evil scientist. Or 
a good scientist? A scientist who is trying to cover up uh, the evil, the, the mutant, uh, mutagenic ooze that uh, has spilled on some dandelions and is being covered by a news reporter, April, who's friends with the Teenage Mutant Turtles. Uh, Shredder uses the, the ooze to create more monsters and renew his attack on New York City. But the turtles band together with a spunky pizza delivery boy to take them down. And all right, Amazing. I wasn't counting. That was, so I was, that was thirty that seconds. A plus. <laughs> that was that was thirty-one seconds. That yeah. was oh, much much better than than me for sure. And I think uh, I think it's rather poetic that you covered a lot of the same ground as Ulrich's summary. <laughs> Right. Well, because, you know, it is a very true sequel in a lot of ways um, and not in all the best ways, but it's a very, uh, in, very in much a retread. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Sage, are you going to take on the third one? Oh, shit. I guess I, that's what I, thought, happens, the, I yeah. thought the second one was hard, but now I'm trying to remember the third movie and like you've got your work cut out for you, too. Uh, I just watched it and I don't even know if I could do it. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. All right. All right. 30 seconds. Go. Count me down. Oh, shit. Oh, no. That's three seconds. I was go. Gonna... All right. Well, speaking of time, uh, so this movie takes place in Japan. There is a sort of feudal feud going on, if you will, uh, between the Japanese shogun and the rebel army. And the Japanese shoguns are being aided by English, basically pirates, arms dealers, pirates. And uh, the turtles get involved because there's an artifact that warps them through time as they are the legendary heroes and protectors of Japan. They switch bodies with uh, a couple of the shogun's guard and Casey Jones comes in to babysit them in the modern world. And that's really what's important. Done. Okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. It, that it, was like 35 seconds. Pretty great. Ah, uh, damn. Just so gave it's, up, so you it's gave up. You gave up on the A line, like the A story in the movie. Right. <laughs> well, no, I said what's happening. Like, the turtles come in like, and help. And what they do doesn't I mean, really matter. They're just turtles in Japan. Sadly, uh, that, I, that's pretty that's, accurate because there, there is not a real major villain. They, they try to have a major villain in that movie, but it's not really a real Yeah, no, I gave you the villain. actual writer's pitch to Turtles 3. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that sounds pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did a great job. I really like that the third movie exists, like the, the the opening premise is that April has gone shopping and has gifts for the turtles and Splinter, and she's like, Splinter likes old junk, I found this weird lamp in an antique shop, here you go, and that's the reason that they go they go through time is because they touch a weird <sighs> antique. Oh my god, it's so... It's the thinnest face. It's so frustrating. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what the you turtles deserve. I don't oh, understand. No. <laughs> I don't understand why <laughs> don't. that's a problem. But turtles from ooze is fine, and you accept that and move on. It's just like no, they, they deserve so much more. <laughs> See, I mean, you're making our argument for us, Sage. I don't understand. <laughs> I think what I truly do love about this movie is just the idea that in order to travel through time, you have to you have to swap with someone that shares your weight. Well, yeah, everybody <laughs> hates this marvelous B plot, and I also just appreciate that it's a more unique movie. It's not just a direct ripoff of another movie it's not good but it earns its place to exist That's also if I you're know. gonna if you're gonna yeah, jump through time it's important to put on hip clothing uh, otherwise whoever switches bodies with you is going to be stuck in something embarrassing right so, or, you know, or naked yeah <laughs> that's oh, a good man. bit i do i do like that at least they're there it seems like their underwear still travels through time with them yeah but like the outer clothing 
<laughs> I feel like that's the most thought they put into any joke in this entire <laughs> franchise. Well, they they needed to have some way to have them not be naked, so hence the underwear <laughs> had to exist. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to save the best for last and talk about Turtles 3 later. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's talk about my biggest problem in this movie. What's your biggest problem? <laughs> West Coasty New Yorkers. Based on the movies that we saw, uh, tell me who these turtles are and how they're different than each other at all. Well, Leonardo's the leader. Uh, he wears blue. He's the, he's the one he wears blue. <laughs> he's the one who bands them together to make like conscious, like smart decisions and sort of work as a team and a family and not be fighting. Uh, Raphael is the one who's always upset and angry and the the quick quick to fight and quick to go and make a a, a rash decision. Um, and he's always fighting with Michelangelo, who is the jester, the comic, and the silly one who's always uh, wants to have a joke and wants to eat some pizza and is always talking about how April's talking to him and stuff and making you know <laughs> those wisecracking little jokes and evidently fights with uh, with Raphael. And then Donatello is uh, more of the, the scientist, the calm person to come up with a strategy to help. Uh, you know, them figure out their goal. And that's my understanding of the four characters. Um, whether or not it's well represented in all the movies, well, okay. that's that's how I see those turtles. Yeah. That is your understanding of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song from the TV show. <laughs> you did not get that from these movies. Well, like, I think I'm it, sorry, I would argue calling the first bullshit. Movie... The first movie does a pretty good job of showing us those things, especially with Raphael's anger and his like loose cannonness and then Leonardo bringing them together. I think the first movie does show these attributes pretty well. I Um, I will also, I'll second that. I'll say like, yeah, you know, it's a little, they're a little thin, but like the plot being like Leonardo having to step up to, to, you know, maintain leadership and taking each of them like takes weight on in a very different way that I would say, like, mostly works. Like, Leonardo treats the failure of the team as his own as leader, which is, like, one thing that, like, even though I would say being a leader is, like, the least character development you can put into a character. (laughs) (laughs) And it always bothered me in the show, because, like, again, like, blue's my favorite color. So when I watched the show, like, I'd always be like, what's going on with Leonardo? It's like, oh, he's the leader, like. Right. <laughs> and at least in the movies, he kind of has a little bit of growth because he has to learn how to be the leader. Which, right. In, you in know. these movies? Yes. In the first movie. <laughs> I, I don't right. know about the other movies, but uh, <laughs> definitely in the first movie, there's some strong work of, of him like struggling to, to, to get the turtles to work together and, as a family and not just sort of go off in their own directions, especially with Raphael, you know? Yeah, right. I, it's uh, really just, I don't know where you're getting this. <laughs> well, well I mean, we could go beat by beat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love to hear any actual evidence you have to support this, if you just pick, like, an example. Well, in the opening, uh, I think it's the opening scene of the movie, Raphael loses his sigh, and he's, like, extremely upset about it. And then he kind of goes off on his own, um, and I think that's when he gets captured, uh 
pretty much right away or he gets it. That's when he meets Casey Jones. Ah, Okay. And that brings Casey Jones into the story. Right. But, um, but anyways, I mean, I think him and the whole thing with the sigh and his anger about them not doing anything about it and just, you know, having to be, be hidden and live the ninja life. I think that's a pretty good, uh, you know, um, like this demonstration of Raphael's hot headedness and his loose cannonness, you know, the turtles got a tude. Yeah, he certainly does. And, uh, you know, I think the fact that like most of the after they 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 fight the bad guys in the opening scene, like the next thing is they're trying to get pizza and that's all driven by Michelangelo. So I think that kind of goes to his pizza driven what like kind of goofy wisecracking thing. But the thing that I think really works about this and why like a lot of the silliness throughout the movie can be, you know, to me fits in is because they are just 12 year olds, basically. (laughs) So them being goofy goofy and stupid and silly is like that's right on you know they can't be 12 year olds they're teenagers yeah well, I, 13 actually, I think they're 13 yeah 13 also, 14 way this, more than this... 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> oh was i supposed to do that in 30 there seconds no Damn, you get a, no, you get a w <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no <laughs> but i think it was 30 seconds <laughs> delving back uh, into this movie and like seeing the the dialogue of the turtles talking to each other. Cause I think like a very early moment is like the righteous. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and they're coming up with a dumb Mucho jokes and like Bossa Nova, <laughs> Chevy Nova, Chevy Nova. Right. I, I love, I love that, that, stuff. that. Actually, I, <laughs> Most of those didn't work when they're just talking like different catchphrases. But when one of them has trouble coming up with a catchphrase, that's a which great is bit. Donnie's character. <laughs> That is right. the one. He's that was cultured. the only characterization I took away from these movies. Is oh the that guy, Donnie? Yes, can't come up with a catchphrase. It's very cute. Vo- voiced by uh, once great, um, you know, teen heartthrob Corey Feldman. That uh, one was Corey I Feldman. Think... I was trying to figure out like I, their their voices could not really. I was doing some was re- yeah. some research this morning, and it looks like Corey Feldman voiced Donatello in the first and the third one, but for some reason not the second one, oh, which weird. seems odd. <laughs> the script probably wasn't up to par for him. Right, right. <laughs> I want to jump into, too, because like, this comedy, like part of the reason it works when it does is because they do have, sh- um, not Shredder, uh, Splinter as their straight man, like their father right. figure. Who similar to Donnie doesn't doesn't get most of the jokes until like is it oh man which movie is it where he keeps going uh, I made a funny uh, it starts in the first one and then and, yeah. and then they do it in the second one and then in the third one too I believe oh boy <laughs> it's a it's a running gag uh, which was also one of my dad's favorite lines <laughs> when I was a kid <laughs> this is such a dad joke end. movie like this is Very I much made so. a funny there's so many dad jokes in this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. But in, yeah. A, in a very heartwarming way for me, I think. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I don't have a single bad thing to say about Splitter in these three movies. I think he, no. he saves a lot well, of it for me. In the th- oh, Well, I have bad things to say about Splinter in the third one, but... Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the voice, for one, is just so bad. But they, you know, they had a legend doing it in the first one. The guy, the voice of Elmo... Uh, did the voice oh. in number oh. one, and that's because it was all from the Jim Henson company, and it was like the Jim Henson team who did the original Turtles, and I think the first two, I believe, definitely the first one. And um, uh, yeah, you know, looking it up, it's all three, but um, he like Jim Henson himself 
was part of the first movie and he passed right. away i think right before the second one premiered or right, right. after something like that yeah um so the second one's actually dedicated or yeah i guess it must have been right before because the second one's dedicated to his memory right which was right. which was cool to see um and that I, you know, the I, I, I see no reason not to just jump into this. We'll come, we'll come back to the uh, to April and Casey, but right. like the anim, like not animation, the the puppetry is oh really God. interesting. Going from like the, between the first three movies, like the first one's pretty good. Like it's, um, I I love it. I think it's amazing. Like the, in the first one, the puppetry <laughs> and not the costumes. I'll agree. I also I, like. Uh, yeah, go on. You don't well, like the costumes in the first one. It's interesting it's, watching them change. No. The first, the first one, like the the martial arts. Well, that's the thing too. Like these are these are Golden Harvest movies, which made me really excited because I'd forgotten. And explain, Golden Harvest like was um, the company behind like all Bruce Lee's movies and like a bunch of Jackie ah. Chan and a bunch of Jet Li. And I had uh, just been watching like future uh, episode Ricky O. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which was really exciting because that's also a Golden Harvest movie. Like they touched like so many great films, and this was like their one of their big like U.S. co-productions. So they had like really talented like some of the people making the best martial arts films were behind these turtle movies, and then they also had Jim Henson in there bringing like some of the best puppetry ever to like grace this planet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean Splinter is incredible. Like yeah, come on, yes. give it up for Splinter. <laughs> Um, I wanted. Uh, the... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that was a that was a great cinematic pause right there. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to give a special shout out to uh, the puppets of of Young Splinter doing the martial arts, which is oh, by yeah. far my favorite thing in all of these movies. <laughs> Looks great. Splinter's also, Splinter's origin really cool. <laughs> in like the shadows, which just yeah. I would watch my master do these moves, and you see Splinter mimic all these moves. And keep in mind, Splinter has not been oozed. Was Splinter always like this? <laughs> and I don't care because it's yes. great, and it made me happy. Oh, so we he, also get he to see... is oozed. We, but you know, he, uh, but he was doing the martial but, arts before. But he was, he was oozed, oozed after he learned right. karate from his master. Right, correct. So he already knew karate as a rat. Who brought his pet rat as he was escaping to America? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, what kind of heartless? Like, we're the whole point is that his master was like a great dude who just yeah. like wanted to wanted to live his life quietly and in love. And instead, yeah. he he got chased by evil ninja Shredder. I forget. I forget. Does that love work out? Is that no, oh. no? No, there's, there's murder. Oh. There's murder. There's oh, no. potentially in this kids movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and also after he murdered, like so the That's Shredder shit. murders I didn't put his that master. Together, but yeah, I'll wreck it right. <laughs> I love that yeah. the like Splinter as a normal rat tries to take on his master's killer. <laughs> And, and Shredder, his face. Shredder oh. remembers him. You know, he's like, "Oh, it was you. <laughs> you, yeah. you were, you were you my, were my nemesis. Is that my rival rat? <laughs> rat. Well, as a now person human who, who probably never has bled or like doesn't get hit very often, for a rat to scratch him would be right. a pretty big offense. You know, so. <laughs> also, just in this same flashback sequence, we get to see the awkwardly like baby turtles trying to learn kung fu from oh, yeah. master shredder which like is very cute but also very unsettling like they're really <laughs> creepy looking they are creepy don't love it i wish the <laughs> whole movie had been this type of puppetry they're so gangly <laughs> and weird <laughs> yeah 
I just I love all the pra- like the practical effects in this thing are so great. And it just like when I watch the new movie, it just pains me to watch these terrible CGI turtles when you have these really brilliant like, you know, like turtles that feel that are creepy looking sometimes, but that feel like they actually could be in that exist in the world because they're like light is bouncing off of them and people are inside. <laughs> it's just so cool. I don't know. I love it. I bought, uh, I got a dis, well, disagree is the wrong word because I actually do fully support what you're saying about puppets. Uh, in the, in the new movies, the turtles mostly look pretty great and they're able to do some like wacky sewer maneuvers that's, and some really great <laughs> action sequences. But I mean, they're, right. they're transformers. But what I really wanted to point out is in the <laughs> right. first Michael Bay produced, it's, they're transformers movies. They're Michael Bay produced and he said, shoot them like my transformers movies. I'm going to go in my trailer and do a bunch of blow. Uh, I assume that is what he said. <laughs> right. Exactly. Is that slander? Are we in trouble? Uh, but there's a scene in the first uh, Jonathan Liebesman movie, like 2014, where April finds the turtles on the roofs and she's panicking because giant CGI monster turtles. <laughs> and Donatello, right. who has a personality in this movie, says, no, no, no. No, no, no. It's just a mask. See? And he removes the mask. And what's underside is so much more horrifying <laughs> it's yeah. just like no we're not monsters cut to even more monsters <laughs> well and, and correction michelangelo yeah is i was gonna say that. yeah good bit so though you, good bit you couldn't have had that moment without <laughs> cgi monstrosity you couldn't have done that bit with puppets well and, oh. and it's funny i'm actually going to come to the defense of this michael bay movie in 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 a small way because i do think for all the problems it has the turtle's are acting like the turtles should act, which I do appreciate, yes. you know, um, despite the fact that they have all this needless extra technology and there's GoPros dangling off of Donatello and which all this silly, sh- silly, stupid shit that I can't stand. But does kind of go to the TV show, though, which they're pulling from is like the right. battle van, like was one of the coolest toys. And like, they're definitely pulling from that, uh, that, that vein, right. which is a rich vein, like, Ain't against it. Right. I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess it's my nostalgia taking over. Like, I just love the original movie so much that I want it, everything to be more like the original, you know? Well, and there, there <laughs> is, like, there's okay. the character design, nice. the character design between <laughs> all the live action movies. Like, you know, we, we were kind of talking about it. Like, my favorite character design of them is probably Secret of the Ooze. There's a little bit more ability for the the performers to like do more impressive martial arts right. in the second movie. Right, that's true. I mean, I, I feel like they did a really good job with what they had in the first movie, but you right. definitely do see how stiff and it's, they are. It's crazy you know? impressive, like what yeah. they were able to do. And like I was reading about, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was crazy reading an oral... impressive, like slightly better than I expected it to be. Let's. Hey, when Why are you, they doing when you, flips when in you design an animatronic full body uh, turtle suit that you can do backflips in, you know, you come back. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do backflips. You can move around, but there's so much. I forget what the technical term is when there's like a group of people and they're all waiting to attack the one person. And oh. but in this instance, they <laughs> just can't because they cannot attack the turtle until the turtle attacks them because they risk actually damaging not just the stunt person but the costume, <laughs> which I assume is built first on the call sheet. That's a that comes from a style of martial arts film that like that didn't change until around this period like Jackie Chan 
had to be like break that style of like fighting in film. This was like the Bruce Lee school of fighting, where you do you only fight one person at a time. That's it's how one you fight at a time. Well, I'm not throwing right. shade on that whole concept and like how it's been in film for you know 20, 30 years at this point. I was specifically like there are times where you can see someone almost attack and then just fall down, and it's because it's so unsafe to actually fight with the turtle costume. It's not the I mean, one sure. time thing I have a problem with. And I'm like, I don't really know a way around this except I don't know, maybe more time. <laughs> Well, no, just choreography. You can fix. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. give them a break. It was an independent movie uh, that they managed to do all this on on a really you know small budget. So I mean, I think the most you know. successful independent movie at that time, right? Right, Otherwise, right. Yeah. You know, people say that, but at the same time, like this is a Golden Harvest movie. They're not like they they don't they aren't making big budget movies like you know the American ones, but they're making big budget martial arts films like I. They're one of the biggest studios in China, which like right. or in Hong Kong, which has like a big, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with like, that's a very USA centric version of like what an indie is. But anyway. well, I mean, even within the USA, <laughs> it's kind of a, a bullshit moniker because like Kick-Ass was an independent movie. And that movie totally. cost right. like $60 million. Fuck right off. Right. And this movie only was, I think, around like $6 million. Right. Which which is which is not very much considering all the things they did, especially in nineteen ninety. Especially know, just 1989. having Jim Henson being part of your movie, <laughs> yeah, and like funding yeah. and the Corey creation Feldman. of <laughs> that too, <laughs> right? I was reading some of like about the the costumes and like the shells were filled with like the uh, animatronic stuff, and it took like two puppeteers to operate the face at once. Like that's how they had to do it, and the the suits weighed like seventy pounds, and. The heads were glued on. Like Ugh, they had to blow in compressed air into the masks to give the people like any sort of relief from the heat that they were filming oh, man. in. This sounded like hell. Yeah. But and, and to be able to do like to deal with all that and pull off the fighting that they pull off in this movie, which I think is pretty fucking awesome. I'm yeah, actually kind of shocked no one died in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like there should be Twilight Zone the movie stories surrounding this oh, production. God. Is it yeah. is it too soon to talk about that, Gavin? <laughs> no, but just to lighten the mood, I guess. Uh, another one of the bad like uh, dad jokes that I wanted to give credence to was. Uh, Mikey doing impressions for a while uh, and going, oh, you yes. daddy rat. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I love that. One of the few. <laughs> a bit of personality. So good. I have to admit, like, the, the dad jokes in this didn't work for me as much as I had thought they would. Like, the, the jokes no. are so cheesy. Um, but, like, that one did. Uh, April putting a hat on a hat by saying, I bet Splinter loves that joke. And all of them go, gasp. Like, and I, was like, I was joking. <laughs> They're like, oh. <laughs> I'm personally uh, glad so that charming. she explained that it was a joke. Maybe that's it. There's like a lot of these jokes go on maybe a little longer than they Gavin, should. I was joking. <laughs> um, I also want to like shout out to uh, the Pinocchio style. Like, I don't know what that place is called, like Neverland or whatever in Pinocchio, where it's just like all these kids oh, yeah. with like the endless skate ramps and like oh, man. pinball machines and they're all playing and the cards. Arcades, oh, I forgot about yeah, that. They're smoking. Oh, yeah, they're like, Do you got cigarettes? Regular or menthol? <laughs> yeah. 
This is this yeah. is a Sam Rockwell movie. I forget about that. How'd they afford Sam Rockwell <laughs> in 1990? <laughs> right. That must have been five of the six million dollars. I think the world building around like the Foot Clan's lair and how they operate as a gang, basically, I thought was really well done. And like the opening of the movie, where like you're seeing all the stuff get like stolen as the news report is going on, and then it leads to like revealing like this lair. Ah, it's so that good, is man. really fun. Like the woman who's sitting on her uh, her balcony her stoop. and tur- <laughs> turns turns around. She's watching TV and she turns around for a second, and the TV's just gone. Yeah, and then she's like, "Ah, oh! <laughs> ninjas! How did it happen?" <laughs> uh, Fair, but there's also like in this movie they they uh, try and you know set uh, April as like a sex symbol that like everyone's just nailing home to an uncomfortable amount. Like the oh, Mikey, yeah. like I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> just well, that that scene with Casey Jones being like, um, she's looking for the turtles to get like. A hands with something and he's like what do you need toots i got you babe <laughs> yes please let's talk about april and casey <laughs> yeah i think this has to be said like the very inappropriate uh behavior of casey jones towards april o'neill and then her uh, like eventually falling in love with him at the end is a little cringeworthy Which, to watch yeah. now it's that like, also oh, ha- that's like a trope in like because that comes back in the michael bay movies too or it's just like randomly at the end, it's like, hey, why not make out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was the 90s. <laughs> when they're at the farmhouse and then like, you know, it's like the sort of like nagging that he's doing to her. Yeah. Kind of. It's like, oh, God, like, really? Like, the, this isn't a movie I loved as a kid. And like, I was watching this and thinking, oh, yeah, it's OK to like be a jerk to women they'll just love you anyway it's like the the count of times that they say babe in this movie is very high yeah that's like how they introduce like april is uh giving a report and the turtles are watching it and one of the turtles says oh she's a really good reporter and then the other one goes she's a babe (laughs) and and her her comments on casey is god he'd almost be cute except he's not if he wasn't such a something, a scumbag. Oh, if he wasn't such a sexist pig. Yeah, sexist he'd pig. Almost, <laughs> he'd almost be a romantic lead if he wasn't so mean to me. I also right. loved when she uh, she says, uh, you're claustrophobic. I forget what that's in reference to. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he He's says, a claustrophobic. I've never even looked at another guy before. <laughs> it's just, it's a homophobic joke, but it's also very funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, yeah. like he's the brunt of the joke. It's not homosexuality yeah. right it's but, it, a, but it is like something that you probably like wouldn't yeah, want to see it's today a questionable taste for <laughs> yes, sure yes very how do you guys um, feel about aprils in these movies just the oh yeah because they just change her out <laughs> yeah for the second one um, do you know why they changed her out no, please, please elaborate. I thought you did that whole like oral history thing <laughs> about the first, the first movie. movie that I read. Yeah, well, I assume they would have mentioned that like people. I I don't know how true any of this is. If a producer finds a woman difficult to work with, I'm definitely going to give the benefit of the doubt to the woman. But the the cast and crew did find her very difficult to work with, and she just kept talking about how how violent the movies were. Oh, really? Oh. My favorite thing to come back to, because I don't think this movie's particularly violent at all. <laughs> no, I, I I would agree. It it but it you know it was again like talking about the '90s and like I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers growing up. 
Um, I could see where maybe that was more pervasive back then. And like, just, you know, now kids are growing up in Adventure Time where they almost kind of treat violence as a totally a part of communication um, in a very charming and heartwarming way. <laughs> where it's well, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, the movie isn't terribly, terribly violent, but I mean, Casey Jones does straight up murder the bad guy in the end of the movie, uh, which is something like I cheered for as a kid. But then watching now, I'm like, oh, my God, like he just straight up executed him. He comes Casey back is, later, of course. He's very violent, <laughs> and I miss him from the second movie. Because <laughs> right, uh, he's not in the second about, movie at all, right? I, exactly, right, and no. I miss him. Instead of they replace him with Surf kid. Ninja himself, Ernie Reyes Jr., who is just a pizza kid who happens to know karate, and the second movie is so silly. He is a lot of fun, though. Because Casey <laughs> is the only face that I recognize in any of these movies. Like, Elias Katias is, what I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, one of... One of my favorite actors, just yeah, just absolutely fine. And what else to is see he him as Casey Jones? I had completely forgot. He's in uh, Let Me In. He's in like the third season of The Killing. He's in a lot of bigger things. My mind is just he, mush from watching he six plays, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. <laughs> he plays a bad guy a lot, I think, especially like in early '90s stuff where he's like like a freaking killer or something. Um, I can't remember. What movie? I have to look it up now. But yeah, he sometimes plays like a really bad guy. So it was kind of funny to like see him in those bad guy roles, uh, you know, having known him from the Turtles, you know. Somehow. I've just avoided the rest of this guy's career. Oh. <laughs> Never saw The Prophecy? Never saw Look nope. Who's Talking too. <laughs> nope. Oh, well, that's that's a shame. I can't do this podcast with you. <laughs> that's fair. But it's been a good run. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I, I think early uh, 90s is years. not fair. It's more like late 90s, 2000s is where he, like, I know him from most now looking back at this. But anyways, I he's love great. Ka- um. yeah. And I love Casey because, I mean, the turtles are raised as ninjas and there's a certain code and justice that comes alongside of that. And Casey just wants to beat up people with his hockey stick. Yeah. He, he is just wants to already fight. doing that. He is already a vigilante in his own rights before he's not inspired by the turtles. <laughs> he's just it's all... out here beating up people with hockey sticks, regardless of what happens in the rest of New York. It's also apt that he meets Raph first because they like share so much in common and immediately get off to like the worst uh, <laughs> friendship. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's funny because like like Raph like saves uh, this woman from being robbed basically and stop and stops the crime and then uh, Casey Jones is like, no, that's not good enough. I need to kick these guys' asses and beat them to shit, uh, you know, so they'll never do it again. Yeah. And then Raphael's like, no, that's not cool. Like, let him go. Like. Then he's like protecting the robbers suddenly. It's kind of like a fun, weird thing that happens, but I think it totally works with like both their characters because it's like not an honorable thing to like beat up people who are running away. You know, yeah. that's not like a ninja thing to do. It's like a movie with two Batmans and they're both trying to like, you know, put the hurt on people, but also like it's not okay to put the hurt on people unless you're Batman. So right, there right. can't be two Batmans. So like the opening to the Dark Knight? Sure. And, yeah, you know, neither exactly. of them are wearing hockey pads. Right. <laughs> well, actually, Casey is. Actually, my, my bad. Yeah, they're, Casey they're both, is wearing hockey pads. You're right. They're no, both they're, wearing both wearing, pads they're both wearing hockey pads. I don't know examples. what I'm talking about. Yeah, does everyone, <laughs> all amateur vigilantes, uh, wearing, wearing hockey pads. And Casey, I mean, we've talked about kind of like the streak of misogyny and that hilarious homophobic joke. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then he just, he disappears until the third movie where he has my favorite B-plot. I mean, probably my favorite thing outside of Splinter and the puppets. Or, um, yeah, of Puppet Splinter (laughs) as, as as a child rat. Child rat? Yeah, Have any of you said the child word rat. child rat before? I'm just curious. Write no, into stillgoodpod so. at gmail.com if you I, I most often see it written as rat child, but, you know. Uh, Share your rat child just... stories. Um, should we talk about the second movie and, like, how vastly different it is from the first movie? No, because it doesn't have Casey in it, so we have to jump to the third movie. <laughs> It does well, have Tonka and Razor, which like feels oh they're um, Shredder's back. He kidnaps that scientist, and they create. He forces the scientist to create more his like own mutant army right. of two people. Exactly, uh, and they both come out as children, but with right. with that are bigger than the turtles themselves. Right, right. and there's something they call just him very. Yeah, mommy, <laughs> mama, um, idiot, insolent child. Oh, <laughs> they do remind me of like the oversized Muppets, and like they just don't escape that quality. There's like nothing imposing about them for that entire movie. Right, I feel like. right. I mean, besides their strength yeah. and what they can do, like yeah, they're they're just silly. And I they're think so like, silly. As a kid, I loved the second movie. I loved it. I thought it was better than the first movie. I was obsessed with like everything about it, you know, from the opening pizza eating like montage to, uh, yeah, uh, Toka and Razor to Super Shredder, everything oh about this God. movie. I like, like, just loved, loved as a kid. I and then watching it, love. I... then watching it again as an adult, you're like, oh, this is just, it's pure silliness. It's, it's I mean, very it's... silly. It's redundant but... at this point to say that like it's made for children. <laughs> Right, but, like, right. It does seem it, like they took the first movie and pumped out a sequel within a year designed to be even more child friendly. Right. right. Because of the, you know, there were, it was in the wake of all those complaints about violence as well. Right. Um, although right. I would say the martial arts is better, like the, the, the fight scenes are better in the second movie, in my opinion. But they, they, they're not allowed to use their weapons in the second movie, which is like really kind of frustrating because, but, you know, it makes I it harder like to the tell them apart. When they are, when they are using their <laughs> weapons, like they never hit anyone with them. So what's the point of even having them? Is the way I right. feel about them. They're just, and that's always been something with the Teenage Mutant Turtles. Like Leonardo has these giant swords that he never cuts anyone with, ever. Except ro- except robots, which which happens right. a few times in the, in the show. show. Yeah, which yeah. is great. But like in the live action movies, like why even pull them out? Why have them? The 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 so to me the second movie felt more like it just felt more fun in a lot of ways i there is something to me that like it's not as strong i don't think there's also it's shot more fun the camera moves a lot more they took a lot more freedom with like making it visually interesting i think both the first movies are actually shot pretty well there's yeah a lot of interesting lighting like they definitely had some talent behind uh the scenes yeah, like I really like the tone of the first two as far as like lighting and camera stuff goes. Um, but I think the second movie just ups the ante on the on the childness childness childishness of it, you know. Yeah, and, rat uh, childry. 
which I think like as a kid I loved and I mean because it was made for me as a, as a 10 year old or uh, a seven year old or whatever I was um, but then uh, you know like watching it as an adult like I, I, I don't appreciate it as much as I do the first one cause for like the storytelling and the filmmaking of the first movie uh, but you know I'll probably still watch both of those uh, repeatedly as I you know like keep on watching these movies over and over again <laughs> including the third one right you, you're gonna watch uh, the third one too well i hardly even How watched the third one as a kid oh so as a kid i hated the third one like i think i watched it once and then wow. i never watched it again because it just was there wasn't enough turtles in it there was too much talking not enough turtles uh they like are hardly in their lair at all and then they're all in japan the whole time on like trying to ride horses like as a kid like i just was like so frustrated by this movie um but then as an adult like you know there is a little bit more of an appreciation for it just because like the story is interesting but they just they just there's so many missed opportunities that it's just still hard to like it it's, you know. it's also a little confusing. Like Casey Jones is back, but he's also got like a weird twin brother thing in yeah. the in the past right. that like doesn't feel like it earns its place in the story. To be honest, well, they never even though it's like it. the main point. Wait, <laughs> yeah, right. He's got a wait. What? I, I can't explain. <laughs> is this the thing I missed that. somehow? Like the yeah, guy so in he... the past, I never really, really understood that what that was. It's the that same actor. Like a... that yeah, was it's no. like really. Yeah. yeah, and like uh, April O'Neil, like he, she even gives him this look, like Casey, like is that you? And then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I um, saw that yeah, and I was confused because they didn't look the same at all. <laughs> you give him a haircut <laughs> right. and it's like enough. Yeah, right. It's, it's weird. Said. It doesn't make sense. One thing I really like in the third one though is like the Japanese like soldiers refer to the turtles as kappas, which right, right. I grew up with like my sisters like obsessed with like fairies and folktales and stuff my mom like gave her a bunch of books on it and so i grew up knowing about like kappas which are these terrifying looking turtle monsters in japanese folklore oh interesting that hang out uh in rivers and try and like drown children <laughs> and oh, wow. suck their souls out of their butts like so that's like, like a real why thing. couldn't that have been the turtle movies that would have been fantastic <laughs> Also, apologies for like you know my barely understanding. I'm, I'm not gonna pretend I know everything about Kappas, but like that's right. It was a fascinating like. Oh, that's cool. I think this podcast in general does a pretty good job of representing Japanese mythology. <laughs> I'm gonna start putting <laughs> is, that in is, the intro yeah, so that people know <laughs> that this is an authoritative Japanese mythology podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stay tuned for the Ranma episode. <laughs> So that's why they have the the art of the turtles in feudal Japan is because they're actually turtle demons. Like I was right. trying to find like the connection to that in the movie and it never really like hit home for me. But like, yeah, that that makes a lot more sense now. It, so explain that, like, a little further actually about Kappas just because they are fun. And I forgot, like I remembered this one other little tidbit is like Kappa talk, 30 like seconds the, go. They look like the Ninja Turtles, <laughs> um, but on the top of their heads, they have like an indent where they just keep uh. water like a hat or like imagine like a nacho hat um <laughs> okay and if you come up against a kappa and it's or a kappa and it's trying to drown you and steal your soul out your butt um one of the things you can do is they're very respectful so if you bow to it it will bow in turn and if you bow deep enough it will start spilling the water out of its head and 
if it spills the water out of its head, it like kind of loses its power and becomes very sluggish and has to go back to the river that it lives in to refill itself. So just like, you know, a little tidbit out there. If any of you guys find yourself in that situation, now you know how to handle it. Uh, <laughs> I, I might use this know. sound bite as the intro. <laughs> yes. That was wonderful. And that is what I want to be known as. That's good branding. <laughs> also, just uh, while we're while we're criticizing the third movie or critiquing, we it, are not. I liked this. <laughs> we this, are uh, same, this, same, it. We are letting same, it same thing. Know how it can be better and grow. <laughs> this James Berardinelli quote: Not only is this movie aimed at young children, the scripts could have been written by them. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so yeah. If you want to really talk about the problems of this third movie, I, I'm I'm down to do that. Because uh, like the main thing, like you said earlier, this B story that you love so much, I think that's the that's one of the big problems about this really? movie. When it's lifted right from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> which I haven't seen, so maybe that's why I'm more forgiving. Oh of no, this. that's because so mind blowing. Like, <laughs> a lot, you know. I know it's weird. But I wanted to say, like, some of my defense for the third one is, like, at least it's a unique movie. At least it's, like, telling its own story, even if it's nonsense, which is something I don't feel about the first two movies. The first movie is, like, a straight Batman ripoff. And the second one's, like, I don't know. I guess we'll just kind of do it again, but the obvious way. Well, I don't know if that's fair to call it a Batman ripoff when you have mutant teenagers. You're right. Daredevil knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think that like they they did a real good job of honoring the original source material with that first movie and like delivering something that is similar to, uh, the original comic book and like has a lot of the cartoon in it at the same time, which I think was a really good job of kind of meshing those two things together into a live action movie and also telling a story that like I enjoyed where you've got this kid who's like on the wrong path, who like comes back and like understands that like what he's doing is wrong and uh atones for it and makes up for it i think like the whole danny uh subplot in this movie is really good oh, and you know I, I really enjoy that uh and especially as a kid watching it you're like oh that's a bad kid and you're like oh wait all not all bad kids have to be bad kids forever they can be good kids <laughs> i was so confused about like danny being such a main character and like why april's boss has the keys to her apartment to drop off this kid for her to yeah like, how does this that, fall into her that, line of work that is very loose and not under, i don't I, quite understand i kind of that. assume like I, for a while i used to think that like danny was her kid and they were divorced and right because that's the that makes like the, the most sense to me almost right or that like like he's dating they're dating or something and so like she he has to watch her his kid for some reason you know because yeah, like a, he clearly doesn't a have a wife <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Which it, it works happens. though <laughs> i regularly forget that april is a reporter in these movies because they just don't do a lot in that vein does she get well, fired a bunch she gets fired in the first one, yeah. um, but then they're watching her on TV in the first one a, a bit, and then they watch her on TV in the second one too. So I don't know. I think yeah. it's there, and it's definitely not there as much as the. I mean, like the as a personality, as like characterization, as like anything they'll put through. Yeah, no, it's not there as much as in every other iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But the the Michael Bay one, it's just like it's too. It's like the April O'Neil movie. It's like, come on, like let's get on with the turtles already. What it the is. fuck's going on here? <laughs> I'll agree, honestly. And I, I like that movie far more than you. I think it's... They're not well, great movies, but I think they're better than the Transformers movies that they take as inspiration. 
Uh, interesting. It's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> One that we can have. Um, I also want to really quickly shout out the first uh, first movie. One thing, I, I didn't revisit the movies as often, but I actually did listen to that Partners in Crime song a lot. <laughs> oh, um, the, the credits music from the first movie, I find great. The go the ninja rap from Ice Cube or, or Ice, uh, what's his face? Vanilla Ice. Ice. Has not nothing. Ice Cube, not Ice T. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has nothing on the first movie's uh, credit music, even though they yeah. misappropriate the leadership role to Raphael. Uh, just wanted to shout that out there. Uh, I, I do like the the, the song uh, for the first movie, and I do like "Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go" or "Ninja Rap." Uh, I think they're both. Uh, you I know, will say that sequence is pretty fun in the second movie, where they just are fighting Taka and Razor and burst into a club, and they have like kind of this Back to the Future moment where like the the, the club guys like, "What are they doing? Why are they here? Get them out of here! This is my club." And it's like, oh wait. The the audience loves it. Keep them fighting. Send you know, like let's make this a regular thing. Vanilla could do a very simple freestyle to this. <laughs> I remember that Vanilla Ice was in the second movie, and somehow in my head, I had it. I had it that he was playing Casey Jones. That's how I remembered these movies. That the oh, second one funny. had Casey Jones in it, and Vanilla Ice played him. So I was actually wildly <laughs> disappointed to be like, oh, he just shows up as himself and does a song in the last 10 minutes, which really <laughs> tells you all you need to know about the fucking pandering in that film. It's a very silly sequence, and I was a kid again, remember loving it. As an adult, remember thinking, what the fuck's going on right now? But... Okay, that, that's that, that's what this the movie is. That's fine. <laughs> it, and that is something that like goes through all the movies is they play pretty hard and fast with whether or not the turtles actually stay to the shadows. You know, they do that Spider-Man thing where it's like sometimes he's everyone loves him and sometimes people don't. Right. It, it right. really wherever they are in the plot of the movie, you know, either their yeah their domain is the shadows or it's not. You know. <laughs> yeah, the new movies aren't even any better at that. I think the first movie does a pretty good job of sticking to the shadows until the very end. And then the rest of them, yeah, the second one, yeah, definitely is just doing whatever it wants. <laughs> I mean, that first movie just has more shadows, period. <laughs> there, there are very good shadows in that movie. And it's I do love, like, we, joke. we, we talked about it uh, really quickly, briefly before, but I do want to say how much I enjoyed the flashback sequences and how, like, they have the, the yeah. characters lit in the world and then all the light drops away into black and then they have, like, the, the conversation with, like, you know, the flashback and everything intercut with, like, the little splinter, uh, you know, whatever, baby splinter, whatever you want to call it, uh, doing their karate moves. It's It's brilliant. I love Rat it. Child. We call him Rat, Rat Child. Rat Child, of course. It was a whole. <laughs> were you there? We just. Yes. Sorry. No offense to Rat Child. <laughs> All right, and Sage. You wanted to talk Shredder. You wanted to talk Shredder for a little bit. The big bad. Yeah. Well, I don't have necessarily anything personally to say. I just, I'm just trying to figure out why in like the pantheon of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villains, like. Krang and I'm not gonna pretend to know more than two of the Bebop Rocksteady like Shredder is the big bad guy I know he has like the personal relationship I'm not even saying this as, as a knock on the character I'm just oh, guys I don't understand Shredder it's the personal relationship Shredder. like that's the that's the big thing and that he has these tangled webs where he can run like a syndicate as big as the Foot Clan in New York and get away with it without like um 
you know, he can fight a shadow war. Like, that's that's a pretty big villainous thing. And I love the manipulation of children. It's, like, so evil. Yeah. And then, like, to convince them that he's, like, their father. Right. You know? And he's got this guy, like, who's his right-hand man, who's, like, this other evil, like, you know, ninja master guy. It's, like, it's sort of brilliant, you know? It's, like, all I really need is, like, one strong right-hand person, and then I'll manipulate all these young kids to do what I want. It's, like, pure evil and great. And uh, I don't know. I just really enjoy the way that they show Splinter and, like, kind of, like, the ridiculous, like, uh, sort of... um, what's it like ritual behind him where like he walks out with his cape and then the guy unfurls his cape to like reveal like the spiky shoulders. It's like, this is fucking like weird, cool shit, you know? And it is that perverse, like, cause the Teenage Mutant Turtles things is about family in a very, very weird way. Like, Oh yeah. It's all about family. It, yeah. But it, it it doesn't really explain itself very well, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> even the Fast and the Furious movies kind of do a little bit of a better job of explaining, like, what family can become and, like, what support means. But this is yeah. about, like, brotherhood <laughs> Drinking and the on a installation balcony. of honor. <laughs> um, but, like, Shredder is that perverse version of, of family where it's, like, he is an adoptive father to all these children. He's just a shitty father. It's He's like a very the false... selfish... It's... Yeah. It's like a false idea. It's like it's like the yeah. the other side of the coin to what the turtles have, but it's like the false like, you know, manipulated version of that thing, which I think is why it works so well in that first movie. I just I, I want to share that I had a note on my my phone that did say, "So Shredder's your daddy now." And uh I just really enjoy that phrase, you know, Shredder <laughs> Daddy. Shredder's your daddy. <laughs> Great. Uh, I hope Shredder Daddy works it into popular lexicon based off this podcast cuz I want to I want to walk outside after quarantine and have someone say Shredder Daddy. Mhm. Waiting for those shirts to come out. Or Rat Child, like I'm not picky. Or tank tops, you know, I'm not picky. Rat either. Child. <laughs> rat Child and Shredder Daddy, words that have never been said before <laughs> this podcast. That was actually, well, I mean, that was my band in college. <laughs> All right. I, I say we jump to, to, to some, some conclusions, and then we'll probably get into a little bit more talk about the comparison between these uh, original trilogy and the Michael Bay produced reimagining. This is a little bit of a spoily question, but like, uh, is Krang in the second uh, movie, uh, the Michael Bay movie, or not? Yes. And also, like, there are spoilers for everything all the time. This is a spoiler. (laughs) Spoil, spoil, spoil everything. I really want to see the second movie now because I love Krang. uh, It's got Krang and Casey Jones. It's got a Technodrome in it. Like, it's got Technodrome in the second movie. Oh, I was very. I'm excited for you to finish both of these because I think the first one has some incredibly inventive action sequences, and I think the second one's just fun and nonsense from like start to finish in the way that I enjoy, and hopefully you will too. I just couldn't I couldn't handle April O'Neil in the first uh, Michael Bay movie, and like how much of the story is about her and Will Arnett's character. It's just like, oh my god. Turtles. I mean, I like watching Will Arnett Come be on. Will Arnett. I love Will Arnett in almost everything, but like, it's a little painful the, the way they treat like that relationship. Ugh. He's just... he made it better than anyone else could, I think, but it's still right. painful. <laughs> I'm not talking shit about Will Arnett here. I love Will Arnett too. I just think that his character Good. is like a piece of shit in this movie. You know, just like like not a piece of shit as a person, but just like a, a shitty character that doesn't need to be in this movie you know and they do some fun stuff with him in the second movie like it's dumb but it is fun uh because he is now like a hero 
to New York City, which is fun to see Will Arnett play, um, <laughs> you know, the, he calls himself the Falcon. Uh, <laughs> so I watched these movies backwards because I didn't think I was going to have time to watch the first Michael Bay one, and I just had heard better things about Out of the Shadow. I got to say, I was shocked to find out that the word the Falcon never came up in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would have been a callback or something. Nope, he just calls himself the Falcon for no fucking reason. And I mean, since we're already talking it, like I had avoided these two movies uh, when they came out because I think partially it was like them saying that they're aliens instead of the you know traditional backstory, which they did do a much worse version of, in my opinion. Having April tied in childhood to the them being her pet turtles. <sighs> Oh was like I think so you're being way too precious about it, but sure. I just can't handle that. It's just so stupid. Like, yeah, why? it's it's frustrating because they have a great backstory. It's like the uh, way too precious. Zach Schneider. I, I don't even know why of, you have to have a backstory. Just get into the turtles already. You know, we know who the turtles are. That's all I that mean, we. You know. Yeah, I I like hearing that backstory. Like to me, the Spider-Man retelling. Like, yeah, it gets a little old, and I skip the middle Spider-Man movies. But like. I, that that backstory is comfort. Like it is something that I do want to associate with those characters, whether it's like elongated or not. If you change it, you gotta have a good reason. And I get really mad with those movies because they don't have a good enough reason. Fair. And they spend so much time arguing this stupid retelling that doesn't. Well, they try to just make it like a tight little web to make everything less complicated. <laughs> but you're right; it doesn't improve it. Um. Yeah. It, like, I can it, only defend it, it because I don't care. It's not good. <laughs> right. And if you don't care, don't change it. Like, that was, I mean, I want to just say the, the Watchmen, Zack Snyder version. The most annoying thing about that, too, is, like, they change some characters' uh, motivations and basically just get rid of them. And it's, they spend more time not showing this, like, character backstory and taking it away from the Silk Spectre than just they could have just done the way the comics do it in the same amount of time. Right. And it's, it's, it's that frustration when you change something without having a good enough reason and you're not making it like better or saving time is what makes it frustrating. Anyway. Well, let me, do you guys know what the secret of the ooze is? It's got mutagenic properties. Yeah. So like the original script for the second <laughs> one, it was supposed to be, no, you're right. <laughs> Moving past it. Uh, it was created by aliens. Like that was this isn't a thing that actually worked into the movie, but like they're not they're not the first movie to try and pull that shit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, all right, whatever. You're just following a rich tradition of yeah, whatever, whatever yourself. Now, 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 now I'm mad and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got Hurt. there. I'm wounded. <laughs> all right, so so what I is think... the recap of these? So what do we all think of these movies? Is that what we're doing yeah, now? Or that's we that's where talking? we're at. All right, okay. <laughs> Ulrich, is this still good? Is it better as a memory? Or is it something we should never talk about ever again? I think the first one's still good. I think the second one, better as a memory. And I think the third one, we should never talk of again. Wow. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Uh, and I, I think like if I was to recommend these movies to somebody, I would say watch the first one. If you like it, then watch the second one. If you don't like it, then don't. then just stop right there. You're done. And then I would never watch the third one. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that. That's like I like those qualified recommendations where it's like, hey, you gave it a try. You, you know, you don't need to go any further. It's okay. 
but but I'll personally be rewatching the first two uh, for the the rest of my life. And if I ever have children, I will show those movies to them. <laughs> yeah, I. It these are like really the first two are very very borderline for me, um, more than most things between still good and better as a memory. Like there's a lot of aspects of them I respect and like appreciate. Um, I do think they're better for kids for sure. And I'm going to maybe throw them both into the better as a memory just because they're better. They're better for, they're better for kids. I would totally show this to kids. And if it appeals to you at all, which like, I mean, it appeals to most people. They're worth seeing. They're still fun. There's so much to love in them. And I would go so far as to say, like, if you like the first two, go ahead and watch the third one. You know, no, it's not as strong <laughs> in any shape or form as the first two. But like, you know, it, trilogies are fun. It's and people don't generally expect much out of the third in a series anyway. And you get what you, you get what you expect. It's fun. Well, I, I appreciate how how flowery and wholesome y'all are being with this property. <laughs> flowery and wholesome um, movies. Watch sure. Your time. Yeah, uh, I'd say like ranking wise, I like the third one the best. <laughs> I do. I don't think it's the best, but I think it's the most enjoyable. But I also don't think any of them are the best. If I'm going individual, boo. it's three, one, two. You can boo all you want, but you should you should wait till it's <laughs> booing time because this is my time to talk. Oh, sorry. So what I wanted to say is, if I, if I put them all together and I'm just giving a ranking for everything, I think they should all be dragged behind the house and beaten to death with a shovel. Well, wow. No! No! Not to my turtles, man! Please. I actively despised most of the time watching this movie. There's a few oh, gems God. in there, and uh, I'm trying not to uh, hold it against my friend Ulrich, if I'm being honest. Oh, no. The fun part all of right. this experiment for me was getting to compare it to the later movies that came out. Because I just went right through. I watched the 2007 animated one and both of the Michael Bay produced ones. And I think my experience watching the original trilogy prepared me to like these movies more than I should. So did you like the 2007 one? I still haven't seen that one. I think that's my favorite out of all of them, to be honest. Oh, like, interesting. It's got like, a lot of characterization. Um, your mileage will vary on the actual animation. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't actually watch it, but I, I started it just because I had a little extra time. And it feels like early video game cutscenes, which I totally thought huh. I'd be fine with seeing as a full movie. But the animation kind of created on me after a while. Um, it's well done for its time, but it's in its time. And that was a little tougher, uh, I think. Yeah, well done for, for its time is 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 a pretty accurate assessment. Um, I thought it well did done some very for its cool time and as an independent studio too. Like you know, yeah, this is post. I, I just Toy really Story liked the characterization. Like all the characters are are clearly defined. Yes, it's not a Pixar movie. It's the studio that did Astro Boy. It kind of looks like that, and it's weird at times. But you know who everyone is, and the story's just kind of like a little bit more international and broader. Like it starts with one of the turtles just hiding out in Mexico. It actually is kind of like the turtles ah. have disbanded and have to come back together because they've they've had creative oh, differences because they're individual characters. I mean, that does happen <laughs> but they're in the also still teenagers, teenager so I don't know how movie. disbanded they could have been. Well, it seems like the turtles are kind of locked into being teenagers forever. Like that's like where they stop their development, you know, and like they oh. don't really ever get to be adults. Um, that's that, my yeah. understanding. 
of the characters. Like, uh, like um, Kirsten Dunst in Interview with the Vampire. Uh, Sage, I have an important question for you. Uh, between the two Michael Bay movies, which one did you like more? You said the second one? I think I like the second one just because it is just more wild and it's got bebop and rock steady just high-fiving constantly and it's very aware of what movie my it is. Man. Like my boy, my <laughs> man. My boy uh, Stephen Amell is in it. Uh, Green Arrow himself oh, wow. playing Casey Jones and it's it's painful at times because he is a cop yeah. who is just like bad at being a cop but good at being Casey Jones. <laughs> so he's not a he's a cop. Uh, as mixed a bag as Casey Jones is in the original trilogy, I have to say I do much more enjoy the original trilogy version of Casey Jones compared to, like it's a That's much fair. more interesting and fun character than the third one than the Michael Bay reboot one is. Well, it's got a better he's, actor. <laughs> I mean, but it's also just like the the he's just a pretty face in the Michael Bay movies, um, which it, it does feel weird to keep giving him all the credit for those movies, but they just feel like Michael Bay movies. So I'm not going mean, to even really mention they're, the directors. Yeah, no, they've got all the cameras. <laughs> oh, I was shocked because the first one was Jonathan Liebesman, who did Wrath of the Titans, which is maybe my least favorite movie I've ever seen in theaters. It was the few <laughs> movies I've genuinely walked out of. Oh, wow. Yeah, Clash of Titans is not good. Yeah, well, Wrath of the Titans is is even worse. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like think I ever saw. I saw Clash. I was fine with that Clash. Is something it's, it's a, like it's a fun adventure movie. All the directors of these movies, like when I looked at their credits, like I don't recognize any of these guys from anything else. Like the guy who did the 1990s one, the first movie, uh, was known for like Aha's take on me and like Billy Jean. Uh, He's a music video, video for, director. Yeah. And he got the movie taken away from him by Golden Harvest. And they act, this was actually being edited by, um, is it Sally Man- Menken? The, oh, the really? This was like, her first edited. feature editing. And it got taken yeah. away from her, too. So oh, <laughs> oh, man. Wow. A, lot, a lot of people being kicked off this project. Wow. Um, Crazy. Yeah. A lot of script changes. People, uh, people really... Um, and that's been like I think just part of these movies in general. Going back to, you know, the first the guys who created it, uh, Eastman and Laird, they have their own disagreements about what these characters are, and I think that is kind of like the way to me, um, Star Wars is more something that's created in the fans' mind than it actually like pulling from the the screen itself or from the you know expanded universe. The Teenage Mutant Turtles movies like they kind of especially because of when they were coming out and how you couldn't like on demand watch these movies or these TV shows or at least I felt like I didn't have that um it definitely was something that is created partially by the toys and just like the the strength of the core mythos of the creation of the turtles like raised up from ooze kind of father figured by this rat who knows kung fu from his a uh, master who got murdered after traveling to America and settling in New York and like having like that Im- like immigration and like you can be whatever you want in America, like at the foundation of what the turtles mean and are um, and still be goofy and fun. Like you can kind of create your, your own version of what they mean, which is like really important and why there are so many arguments about what the turtles are and what their strengths are. Are you saying the turtles were inside of us the entire time? <laughs> Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting for something that like was so important to me as a kid to like still be something that I enjoy as an adult. Um, 
but that's where I'm at with these, these, these characters. Like, you know, if there's, if they make another turtles movie, I'm going to go see it. Like I wanted to see the second one in the theater, but I just uh, didn't get to see it because due to timing, you know, and despite the terrible reviews. So I'll always be, you know, into the turtles things that happen. And, uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. If we do get another movie, uh, if it's going to be a re- reboot or if it's going to be another Michael Bay one or like, where could you go with these characters next? I think there's like a, like kind of endless possibilities, but I don't know. I have high hopes for the future. Do of the you have Turtles. a place you'd want to see them go? Cause that is something that we regularly talk about in this show. That is well, the next segment. Funny. You talked about Technodrome being in the second movie that I haven't seen yet. Cause that's what I wanted to see as a kid, like so terribly badly and what I still want yeah. to see. So if I was to do my own movie, the Technodrome would be involved. Um, and I mean, I gotta go out and watch this movie now because apparently it's already been done. <laughs> we got, insane. we got Crane, we got Tyler Perry is did, in did, it as the evil scientist. Man, that, is he really? Oh he man. Did, he did not work in that movie for me. <laughs> he doesn't work Ty- in Tyler Perry. Movies. Yeah, exactly. Well said. <laughs> no offense, Tyler Perry. Um, yeah. we love you and Gone um, Girl. <laughs> What I think I would do if I could make my own Turtles movie would be like a really like imagine the tone and the style of the first movie, but the story of the Turtles in Times video game uh, from the early 90s. You send them back to feudal Japan. Well, yeah, it would, but it wouldn't just be feudal Japan. It would be a bunch of different time periods. And the thing that the third movie was missing was like a, like a really good reason for them to be sent back in time. And I think the video game provides artifact. enough of a reason for me, you know, uh, cause Enter like the turtle verse. Cause Shredder sends them back in time to get rid of them while he's like destroying New York City, basically. And it's like, if that was the plot of the third movie, like I would have really much, you know, like, like that so much more than, yeah <laughs> a random artifact <laughs> honestly yeah if you just like do uh samurai jack but with teenage Mutant Ninja turtles uh send them to the future send them to the past and like shredder has like taken over aspects of different historical worlds and future worlds i'd see that that sounds really fun yeah i think like in order for the turtles to really work you kind of need shredder like they they need like their big bad to go against or some totally. kind of big bad. And I think that's why the third one really suffers because there is no main bad guy that they're yeah. fighting against, you know? That's well, fair. that tie to their, to their creation and like reason and purpose is like, they are almost the antidote to shredder. Right. And like, that is their purpose. They are part of like a lineage now that needs to stop shredder from using, um, shadow ninjas to take over the world. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, I don't know how, much about the second movie and like how they get to Detecto Drome or any of that stuff. It sounds like it's complete nonsense. Um, Shred- which... Shredder's there. You'll, you'll, Shred- you'll have fun. There's, there's a lot there. to okay, like in the, new, in the new two movies. I just was very turned off by the, um, the character design originally. And I yeah. still, I don't like them. The second movie actually does redesign them a little better, um, I would say. Well, they look like monsters. <laughs> they're like these like yeah. over muscly, crazy monster things. Right. And they're not just like, you know, mutated turtles. It's like, uh, it's too much. Too much, I, man. I also would like to see. I'm fine with their bullets. shells being bullet. That, that's fine. It, that it took me. me a second to get used to it just because of the original movies and how there's just not also, guns in them. And now they're just I, like, yeah. 
it's very fun. I don't think you need guns in the Teenage Mutant Turtles like stories, really. Like the ray guns that happened mm-hmm. in the TV show were like fine. Real oh, yeah. guns do feel a little weird. Like the movies don't need to have actual like violence that can have consequences the way that bullets just do inherently. Yeah, it makes you right. just think about it too. Like you don't even need to be thinking about that. Like the concept's much different if the turtles are just invincible. <laughs> like that's a different movie. <laughs> there's no real danger to them. And there's not, at least in the first Michael Bay movie. Mm-hmm. Which I, right. I actually, I, I didn't, I know we didn't really fully go into them and I don't think we need to, but like, I kind of like aspects of the first movie more than Out of the Shadows. There's like, because it does feel a little smaller in certain ways and a little less CGI, a little more grounded. Like um, the snow sequence is really fun, even that's though they really have great. more of like the, the hitting on April in a way that's just like <sighs> a little painful. Like you can make jokes about April's butt. It's great. Yeah, it's just it goes on too it goes on too long and like it, it's kind of just not self aware enough. Uh, all right, like... let's 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 put it this way. Did you see the second uh, Transformers movie? I I did. Yeah. So you know that one thing where the whole action sequence stops so John Totoro can like talk about how he sees a Transformers balls ahead of him. <laughs> oh, right. It's yes. like that, yeah. except it's a shot of of Megan Fox leading out of a car, and it's like a four second shot of just her butt, and then it cuts back to oh, Will Arnett being like, "Yeah, that's good," and then they just hit a bunch of snow and crash. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oh it's, it's, boy. It's just painful, and like it. But no it, one calls her just... toots. <laughs> I mean, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, the butt shots are the modern day versions of of Toots. <laughs> Basically, um, I, I the version I would like to see of these movies, and I don't know if it would work, is like I want the Roger Rabbit version of these movies, where it's like not that they're, you know, tunes, but like I, I would like to. I'd be intrigued to see a two D animated like turtles in a three-dimensional world <laughs> and i have no idea if it would work or not but like that is what i want to see i want to see the exact huh, version from the cartoons in a live action movie uh, well let no, me that, let me that, ask you that's crazy an ignorant question because i read i read one thing about the production that's been that's been sticking with me um in in the show how big are the turtles are they human size yeah they're human sized so i think in the original comics they're like three feet tall and they're like they're like half the size of everyone else, but kicking the hell out of them. And I kind of wish I kind of wish they'd always stayed that way because I think that's so much more exciting. Like they're bigger than turtles, and they're ninjas, and they're strong, and obviously have bulletproof shells. <laughs> but I want to see that. I want to see a version with that. I want to see your <laughs> Roger Rabbit version with three feet tall turtles, just complete left field surprise, everyone. And like lifelike, realistic looking turtles, uh, or two D. 2D- Three foot tall turtles. Is that is that Sage? Mm, or... That's an everyone question. <laughs> that's Sage. <laughs> that's a sage I think I understood question. for 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 Gavin. I think I understand his life size animation version turtles. Yeah, uh, and I, which, I have no idea I mean, if that would work. Yeah, but I think that's also just like something about the. There is something charming about how like the core of the Teenage Mutant Turtles is so weirdly strong for how ridiculous it is that you can take chances with them. And it is fine. And I'd kind of forgotten that when those reboot movies were coming out. You know, you bring your own, you know, fandom and like create your own version of the turtles in your heads. 
and they either get closer or farther away based on how they're trying to do it, but it just works. Um, and I wanted to end with like, cause I, I feel like we, we you know, we, 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 we said we needed to say, but there's a really fun story about the original movie. The original marketing of the first movie didn't involve the actors much. Like they weren't talking about like the people behind the masks. You weren't seeing like the voices being, uh, promoted as much as like just the costumes and you know, the fact that they're real turtles in real life having martial arts fights. And these movies were huge. Like the, the toys were big, like buying, um, you know, tents and like pajamas. And like, I think I had bed sheets with the Teenage Ninja Turtles print <laughs> on it. Um, but there's a story about like two of the voices were hanging out on the beach and they see this kid running around wearing his Teenage Ninja Turtles uh, bath towel or as like a cape. And just having like a hell of a time. And one of the guys walks up to the kid and says like, Hey, like I'm, I'm the voice of uh, Donatello. Like I just wanted to introduce you. Like I'm hanging out with Michelangelo here too. Like we're the, we, we're the real turtles. And the kid just cried in response <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's breaking that illusion. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's you know, ruining just, what you love about it. Right? Yeah. It is that like that, that very like private version of what they are is really important so i, I just think that's really cool i'm telling you <laughs> the turtles were inside of us the entire time i feel like that's the <laughs> takeaway right well Ulrich, thank you so much for joining us uh do you have anything you want to promote uh, yeah do you do you have like a podcast or something legions of fans uh, i do actually have a podcast uh if you want to hear me talk about movie stuff with uh movie people uh you can go to www.makingmoviesishard.com. Uh, we, we have the show with my co-host, Liz Manischel. Uh, we basically just talk about uh, the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. And uh, we have uh, weekly guests usually, um, ranging from directors to writers. We've even had um, crew people on. Uh, Gavin's been on the show. The show. Sage was going to be on the show. Yeah, I was about uh, to ask, have either of us, up. but not both of us, been on the show? <laughs> right sage will be on the show in the near future it will happen oh. I, I i know uh but uh yeah and then also if you want to just see my filmmaking stuff you can go to allrickbrissell.com uh find my films and uh things i've shot or worked on it's all there and forthcoming first feature yes first feature which sage did work on which was amazing thank you sage yeah. I'm forever grateful for your uh, work on that film. It was excellent. I'm, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm the almost... timing worked out. I could work on it. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I was really, yeah, my first feature. So it was a big moment, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it should be coming out hopefully in 2021. And this is an unauthorized TMNT fan film, correct? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Gavin V. Murray on pretty much most things. Um, and you can find Sage at wherever he's going to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. Yeah. Um, and you can find our podcast. <laughs> you, you probably already found it. That's probably how you're listening to it. Um, uh, best plug ever. I'm around. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, still good. I don't pod. know what else to uh, say. It's quarantine. I'm not doing anything with my life. <laughs> Except for this very important podcast. Very important. We must talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We must. Who's going right, to? Thank if you not all us. so much for joining us. <laughs> you know what's you know what's going to take us out, right, Gavin? Uh, ho I'm hoping for the Partners in Crime uh, 
Turtle Power song, but I'm afraid it might be Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. So yeah, I, I mean, it really we'll depends on who edits this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. happy with either. All right. Thank you and good night. Gonna rock the town without being seen Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound Yeah, everybody let's move Vanilla is filled with a new jack groove Gonna rock and roll the place With the power of the ninja turtle bass Iceman, you know I'm not playing Devastate the show while the turtles are